Hello, welcome to this Squiggly podcast special reporting on Cartoon Movie 2023. I'm Steve Henderson and I'm your host as we meet the movers, shakers and movie makers at this year's Cartoon Movie event. If you're unfamiliar with Cartoon Movie, then it's a pitching and co-production forum. It's a place where people with ideas for feature films come and meet sales agents, buyers, distributors, publishers and all manner of people to get their ideas onto the big screen. Films are pitched to full auditoriums and then meetings are held to determine the future of animated feature filmmaking in Europe. Obviously this is a audio podcast but if you'd like to see how these films are looking and find out more from the forum including more about some of the films that are not mentioned in this podcast and some facts and figures then you can read the cartoon movie article on squiggly.com. Uh, you can type Cartoon Movie into the search bar at the top of the homepage or head over to the Cartoon Movie website, which is cartoon-media.eu movie, and you can discover all the projects there. For 25 years, the forum has been greasing the wheels of animation commerce, and since the first edition in 1999, 447 films have found financing, representing a total budget of 2.92 billion euros. And this year, 58 projects were presented, which came from 16 European countries. Squiggly was delighted to return to the event, to stare into the crystal ball and take a glimpse at the potential films of tomorrow. And we spoke to some of the amazing filmmakers about their amazing projects. So let's start things with Alberto Vasquez, a name familiar to fans of animation and fans of illustration, with his works such as Bird Boy, The Forgotten Children, getting a comic book, a short film, and the feature film Treatment. And his latest short, Homeless Home, has been doing the festival circuit also, picking up plenty of awards uh, recently. He's also been reveling in the success of his feature film Unicorn Wars, uh, his latest one, which has been really soaking up the spotlight and has been a highlight for many uh, among the festival circuit. Alberto was at the forum to pitch a feature adaptation of his short film Decorado, uh, which you might remember from 2016. And we caught up with the illustrator, director, an all-round nice chap, uh, Alberto Vasquez, to hear more about his feature adaptation plans. Alberto Vasquez, thank you very much for talking to Squiggly today. Are you enjoying Cartoon Movie 2023? Yes, yes, I'm enjoying. I'm watching projects. It's uh, um, the most important market in Europe to, to, to show new projects in concept, in development. And we have here one, Decorado. It's my next feature film. Really excited to see Decorado pitched yesterday. Uh, it was a fabulous pitch, I must say. Uh, and I think you're very good at pitching because you make it very easy for people to give you money. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have any money, I'm very sorry. <laughs> However, uh, what you like to do is you like to say the three things that the film should remind people of. Now, when you did a work in progress of Unicorn Wars, the film which is currently doing very well, uh, you compared it to three things. You compared it to Apocalypse Now, Bambi, and the Holy Bible. Yeah. <laughs> what three things would people expect from Decorado? Yes, I think it's a good way to explain the, the project. And you can define everything in this life with a mix of two or three things. And that's why I, I always tell this, this kind of descriptions. Uh, Decorado is a mix for me, or from Mickey Mouse, or the classic Disney, because um, it's started by anthropomorphic animals, because the main character is a, is a mouse, a middle-aged mouse in depression, <laughs> and because there are a lot of references of the cartoon classic movies. There's a character, the name is El Pato Ronald, and there is witches, and there are uh, demons, and there are uh, mushroom men, it's a very fantastic uh, story. And then the other ingredient is um, the Truman Show of, Pit of Peter Weir, because uh, the mix of comedy and drama, the meta-philosophy, and, uh, and, and the characters living in a dystopian society. And the third ingredient is um, a secret um, marriage um, secrets of Ingmar Bergman, the, the excellent director. 
and because it it is a very profound subject about the crisis in in the marriage and there are very uh, strong uh, dialogues and that's why I, I define these like three ingredients um, and festival goers will recognize the title uh, Decorado from the short films but it was first a comic what is it about the, the strength of an idea that that keeps you as a creative engaged from a comic through a short film and now somebody who wants to go through the very long and laborious process of creating a feature film with the same or with evolved versions of the characters yeah it's, this is something that happened with my first feature film it, it was a, a, a comic book of 100 pages called Psychonautas and then we decided to do a feature film but we, we knew that there was very difficult to, to, to get the funds for a feature film for, for adults very dark and we, we, we decided to do first a, feature, a, a short film and then, with with the time, with the time, we got the founds, and we 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 think about the story. The, the pass of the time led you to uh, to to get the the better better ideas, and that's why we did in in the first project. In the second project, uh, Unicorn Wars, it was first a, a short a short comic stories. And when we did the, the, the short film, I, I never thought, I never thought there's going to be a, a feature film. But now, but after, the, the idea for me is ver- was very interesting, a battle between teddy bears and, and unicorns, and I decided to expand it. But it, it, not, it, it, it wasn't the first idea. I think the short film has sense on itself. It's not a previous pass to do a feature film. It's a, it's a, a short film, a short story, and, and it's enough. But in my case, this, this process was successful, and that's why I'm, uh, we are doing right, right now the same. First, it was Decorado, was a short stories of comics published in Spain in 2012. And then in 2017, we did uh, Decorado, the short film, and now we are here uh, trying to expand the plots, the characters, because I think the, the story is very interesting to expand it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. As with Unicorn Wars, there's a lot more to the story of, uh, you know, the metaphysical and, and, and the marriage uh, breaking down. And there seems to be a very rich uh, area. I must ask you, where, where do you find the time? to do illustration, short film, feature film, because last year, uh, or the year before as well, Homeless Home came out, the short film, and Unicorn Wars. What? How do you do it? Because I'm very passionate with my work, but I'm changing. I'm a little bit tired right now, because <laughs> it, it has been uh, 11 years working animation. Before animation, I, I, I was illustrator, press. Uh, in newspapers, in press, in magazines, making books for child, for, for, for children, for adults, comic books. And now I'm very focused on, on animation. Sometimes, one per year, I, I do a, a children's books because I like to, to draw. I like, I'm, I'm, I'm a cartoonist. My heart is a cartoonist. You know? Now I'm working in, in, in animation because animation for me is a mix between my two great passions, for one hand the, the cinema and for the other hand the comic. And in the middle is the animation for me. And yes, I am totally crazy and I need to rest. <laughs> yeah. And I'm starting to rest, I'm starting to, to work with a team, with more, what, more with a team, you know, with more people that help me and that's why I, I'm, I'm working so much. Fantastic. And I must ask, given the formula, given, given the way that everything's gone, will we expect you to come here in three, four years' time and pitch the Homeless Home feature? I wish. I wish because <laughs> I always wanted to do a fantasy medieval story like Lord of the Rings or because I am very a fan yeah. when I was a child of the Lord, Lord, Lord of the Rings. And, and I want to do something like that, to work with the fantasy medieval with um, 
but always passing the story for my own filter, for my own uh, story, personal story. That's why I, I this is the, the, the thing that I do. I, I try to pass every uh, fantasy story by my biography. For Fantastic. It is, I think it is your, your, your darkest film, Homeless Home. Mm. And so it would be very interesting to see the, the, how, it, how it, you know, could be translated into a feature. Yeah, but absolutely. very best of luck with Decorado, uh, the feature. I hope you make plenty of friends here and <laughs> make plenty of distributors and buyers and, and uh, we'll hopefully see it um, 2026, 27? I hope before, but mm, you never know. This, this is a very difficult world, the animation. You, you have to get a lot of funds. It's very expensive, as you know, but uh, cross fingers, crumb fingers, and thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Alberto Vasquez. Thank you very much for speaking to Squiggly today. That was Alberto Vasquez at Cartoon Movie, and he was there to pitch his feature version of his short film, Decorado. The pitching process can take place at almost any stage at Cartoon Movie. And whilst our last guest had a producer and co-production partners already on board, our next guest came to the forum to pitch an idea that was at the very early stages of production. Matisse Gonzalez-Hordan is a filmmaker whose work you might recognise from festivals as her short film Gravidad won the award for Best Animated Film at the uh, Melbourne International Film Festival and the Audience Award at the Ottawa International Animation Film Festival. Uh, as well as being nominated for the Annie Awards, so it's been doing really well. Pitching her feature idea, Condenditos, or Cursed Children in English, the director sat down with us to talk through the pitching experience, tell us more about the film and how important cartoon movie is to filmmakers like her. So here's our interview with Matisse Gonzalez-Jordan. Hello, my name is Matisse Gonzalez-Jordan. I am the director of uh, Condenaditos. I come from Bolivia uh, and I am here on Cartoon. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so we, we would know it as Cursed Children. Uh, tell us more about Cursed Children. It was here pitched at Cartoon Movie, but it was in the concept pitches, which for those that don't know is right at the very beginning of an idea where some of these uh, pitches people are after they're just after distribution they're just after broadcasters it's the end of the road the film's nearly finished but you're right at the very beginning with this fresh idea uh, tell us uh, about the pitching process for you at cartoon movie so it is a fresh idea but it's not really in the sense that we came up with the idea well in 2021 I think even 2020 during a program called ISF, Animation Sun Frontiers. And I came up with this idea and it took this long to be able to pitch it because of the subjects it talks about and because of the uh, fini- finding the core of the film. What is this film actually about? What do I actually want to tell? So that's why even though this is the beginning, it feels like the end of an era because this like whole self-discovery is done and now it's okay now how can I turn the self-discovery into a film for the world uh, which is basically why we're here and looking for everybody who can join co-producers financing partners talents um, we're very happy to hear everything even feedback so yeah fantastic so for those co-producers financers studios that are listening to this podcast and we know they are uh, <laughs> give us the pitch tell us about the film what's the story Okay, so uh, Cursed Children, or Condenaditos in Spanish, is the story of a girl named Kiki, who is the youngest daughter of a big Bolivian family. And one day she finds out that her family is cursed. Uh, and this curse manifests different ways in different characters. Uh, for example, her mom, she cannot see faces anymore, uh, and therefore has a lot of faces on her face. It's easier to see than to explain. <laughs> um, then the uh, one uncle, he stops moving, and so plants start growing from inside of his body, suffocating him. Another uncle stops, abandons his dreams of becoming a writer and starts growing, turning into a weird, grotesque cat. And another aunt shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, and she's now the, the size of a bottle of Coca-Cola. 
And Kiki, uh, she wonders what is happening with her family. So she starts a journey to find the curve, the cure for this curse. And on her journey, she starts learning about these family secrets that I think we all know about. And she finds out that her grandfather, who was her companion during her whole trip, uh, is, uh, was a dictator in Bolivia. Uh, in the age, in the time between 1964 and 1964, 1969, which is a famous dictatorship for the for um, having it the biggest uh, massacre in Bolivian history, the killing of Che Guevara, and the collaborations with this evil guy called Klaus Barbie. So she starts noticing how it's painful to see this truth and to to. Yeah, to know the truth about this family. And this pain manifests as her curse. She starts losing pieces of her body. And every time she gets a new fact about her grandfather and about her family, she, no she loses another piece of her. Because when you want to, yeah, when you, when you want to separate yourself from your family, you lose yourself. So her journey is about the discovery, the acceptance of this, the letting go of this family trauma, letting go of this family guilt, but also very important is to find your own responsibility in the in the game, because she has a friend whose family was killed in the massacre. She sees a Bolivia that is shaped by this dictatorship, and she figures out, oh wait, I can do some things too. I don't have to be like my grandfather. I can change. I can break this curse. <laughs> uh, so you were in Hall A. The big, the big hall pitching to to everybody yesterday. What was that experience like? It must have been quite intimidating because you only have ten minutes as well to get across an entire uh, eighty-minute feature film. Yeah. First of all, these ten minutes things is really good because you have so many ideas, you have so many concepts, you have a whole script, but you have to shape it in ten minutes, and that that make, makes you realize what is important about this film. What do I want to actually do and what do I want to actually tell? And that, in that sense, it's a really good exercise to figure out your story. Uh, but the, <laughs> the experience itself, to be honest, I feel like I don't remember it. I was, it, it started and there's like a blackout and then it ended. And uh, afterwards people came and said, good job. But I don't know, it's just when you're very nervous, like I was, you kind of enter into this state of, like okay, I don't know, but it was it was great. The the feeling after when we were done that was amazing. It was just ah, but yeah, intimidating is a good word. Oh well, having watched it, I will join the people who said it was very good. It was it was exceptionally good. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously. Um, We've heard descriptions of the characters, we've heard descriptions of the story. It would probably help the audience listening to know a little bit more about your work. And uh, you are a short filmmaker. Uh, you, your last film, uh, Gravidad, is a film that I think we screened definitely at Manchester Animation Festival as well. Um, uh, a film about a, a young woman trying to find her way with the effect of, of gravity and being pulled, pulled around, um, but a very distinct style as well. Very bold in terms of colour, very um, uh, lots of beautiful line work. Um, representation of, of, of characters is very, very uh, done very simply, but with with a lot of um, a lot of skill. Tell us more about your about your approach to, to filmmaking. Perhaps using Gravidad as as as, a, as an example. Uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for the kind words. Um, yeah, so I really like talking about very heavy subjects, but I don't want to suffer while doing that, and I don't want to make my audience suffer while doing that. That's why I always choose a very light design, that for me, when I laugh at my drawings, then I'm doing something good. And um, I, I just focus on the characters because I don't know, I don't do much backgrounds, so everything has always been very minimalistic. I think for the future it's going to change a little bit, uh, it's going to be a bit more backgrounds. <laughs> but um, I don't know, I feel like the more simple your character design, the more you can project yourself into this person. And sometimes you don't need a whole super realistic face, you just need two dots and one line and you can totally see 
based on the context, based on what happened before, based on our human experience, you can feel more connected to this character, which for me is magical. Like that people can connect to two dots in one line, you know? Uh, and this, this I love, to yeah, experiment with this. Uh, I also really like the idea of experimenting with shapes, uh, compositions, uh, it's just something that is soothing for me. <laughs> so yeah, uh, basically that very heavy sh subject, but very lightweight to, to talk about them. Yeah. How important is cartoon movie for a uh, a director like yourself? Super, super important. <laughs> I mean, we were. Uh, preparing for this for a long time. First we prepared for the application for a couple of months. Then we had to do a trailer which also took me a couple of weeks and then the presentation. We practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and everybody told us, ah, you're gonna meet a lot of people, Not no deal will be set but you're gonna meet a lot of people. But actually we are, like, we met all these people and they are very interested in the project and you can see the project. I mean, nothing is set in stone yet. We haven't made any deal, but still you can see the project will be made. And that is amazing. It feels, yeah, it's crazy. And it's all because of this. Uh, of course, we pitched in, another, in other markets before, and that was really good because the producers already know your face and already know your story. That's always good to continue like showing your face, showing your story, reminding people that you exist. But I feel like here in Cartoon, we're like, it was the moment where it thunk. And also, like I said, I also felt the most mature. So it, all these elements came together into being a really, really good thing for the project. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Um, well, uh, very best of luck uh, with the film. Very best of luck making friends, uh, the rest of, uh, of, of Cartoon Movie. Uh, being as this is right at the very uh, beginning of finding the friends and finding the money, uh, we'll probably expect this film in 2027, 2028, something like that. Yeah, ho hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, I, want to, I always tell people it's going to take four years because I want to manifest that. <laughs> probably going to take long. I don't know, we're still making our first uh, script and it's not going to be our last script. And for me, the script is the most important part. So I really, really want to put as much time and effort as possible into this and into the animatic. And then the, f the production itself is probably going to be, I mean, like I said, it's very minimalistic design. It's not very, uh, it's a bit cheap, but more cheap to, uh, anim to, to produce, let's put it this way. It's minimalistic, yeah, yeah. And we have that. It's going to be like a story, 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 direction, direction, direction. So, yeah, let's hope for 2027. Let's hope for that. Matisse, thank you very much for talking to Squiggly today. Very best of luck with the film. Thank you so much. Thanks. That was Matisse Gonzalez-Hordan pitching Condenditos or Cursed Children. Keep your ears open for these film titles, folks. Uh, they'll be here before you know it. And remember, you heard them on the Squiggly podcast first. Next up, we stay in South America and head from a film set in Bolivia to the Brazilian Sertão, a hot, arid wasteland, not too dissimilar from the Australian outback, where bandits roam. In this film, we're about to hear about the bird kingdom. Bandits can transform into birds of prey. And director Wesley Rodriguez has turned this folklore-inspired tale into a vivid-looking splash of colour. Produced by Brazil-based Lupa Films and France-based Sacre Productions, who we know from films such as Remy Chaillet's Long Way North and Michaela Pavlatova's My Sunny Mad, the film looks absolutely fantastic. So I caught up with producer Andre Pierre to find out what we might expect from The Bird Kingdom. Hi, yeah, my name is Andre Pereira. I'm a writer-producer from Brazil. Uh, coming from 50 degree weather in Rio de Janeiro to very cold Bordeaux. Uh, <laughs> but, and I'm here presenting our project, which is a French Brazilian co production uh, called The Bird Kingdom. Uh, it's the featured directorial debut of Wesley Rodriguez, who is one of the most acclaimed uh, animators in Brazil. And uh, it's set in a fantasy version of the Sertão. Uh, which is this isolated region in the northeast of Brazil. 
where we have this uh, very rich culture and history uh, known as the Kangasso, uh, which were groups of nomadic bandits uh, that roamed the region uh, in 19th century up to the middle of the 20th century. And uh, the most famous figure of this movement of the Kangasso was Lampion, uh, who is uh, our equivalent to uh, Ned Kelly or Pancho Villa or Jesse James. So this is really the setting of a Brazilian Western. And we're telling a story about facing the sins of our fathers. And our main character is Sachi Panaj, who grows up in one of these gangs of outlaws. Um, and he has a father-son bond with Kakara. Um, and that's really, it's his journey. So it's a reimagining of Brazilian history and Brazilian culture through uh, magical realism and uh, our own mythology. It's so rich, isn't it, this kind of, that uh, you're drawing from, this history. But also the, the idea of transforming into birds as well. It's such a great setting. Can you tell us more about, the, um, uh, about those influences? Uh, yeah, the Kangasu is something that's very much in the culture of Brazil. Again, it was this uh, specific period uh, and up to the middle of the 20th century uh, where you had these groups of bandits and they were like nomadic bandits. Um, and sometimes they were up to like 100 uh, gangs of outlaws, uh, outlaws in the same gang. Um, and they had such a rich culture of like this half uh, moon-shaped hats uh, with the cartridges and all that and, and and this is so amazing and Wesley I mean he is one of the most talented animators in Brazil he is incredible he's won most of the major awards in Brazil including the Brazilian Academy Award and he had a short film uh, named Faroeste uh, an authentic Western which kind of played with that idea of uh, birds uh, as uh, these members of the Kangasso, what we call the Kangaseiros. Um, and he, as he always tells it, what he imagined was uh, when he figured out like these guys and how did they deal with conflicts inside of these these uh, uh, gangs of outlaws, he imagined like birds of prey having to share a nest, uh, which I think is a very strong imagery. Um, and it really ties into this you know, the, this, this way to, to capture the magical realism and to kind of play with Brazilian folklore and mythology, uh, which is similar to how we see like, for example, Miyazaki's work in Japan or, you know, other uh, uh, fantasy stories that revisit their history, uh, which is, you know, to get something that's very local and very authentic, but presented in a way that's fantastic. And it, and it kind of brings into our own you know, Brazilian heritage, our own influences. But every time we show this project outside from when we first pitch it at Ventanasur in animation, uh, and then, you know, in Argentina, and then going to MIFA and Annecy in France, and now here uh, in Cartoon Movie, like people are always very, very impressed with the vibrant colors and, and just the originality of, of uh, Wesley's vision. Well, we found out all about that, and, and uh, it's, uh a really expressive splash of color across the screen and that's thanks to Wesley and we met Wesley via video uh, he is a, a director uh, an artist he's a person who's got paint under his fingernails that's and that's really comes across on screen doesn't it yeah Wesley is I'm, I saw his work for the first time 10 years ago and um, he's just grown as an illustrator an animator a comic book artist also he has a comic book that uh, came out in Brazil that won a lot of awards and everything he does is um, so authentic and the use of color, um, obviously, again, he's inspired by so many artists uh, and, you know, I, I think he uses a lot of what we see in our Brazilian culture. And so again, the Cangasso has very specific colors. Uh, the Sertão has very specific colors. But then he just, he meshes it all together and he blends it. And it becomes this very, very unique approach where you see, you know, these, the, uh, I, I think it really pops out. Like people are really surprised by, you know, the potency of those images. So we, we spoke about the setting. We've spoke about the uh, almost father-son uh, a dynamic that's going on uh, would you be able to go a little bit further into the story because there is a little bit of conflict and there are other characters that we meet along the way uh, our main character is thrown into something of a um, 
uh, of a dilemma, uh, and they meet somebody else who, who has another dilemma. It's dilemma after dilemma after dilemma, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has that kind of uh, epic scope to it. Uh, so uh, the story is that Sechipana, you know, he grows up in this gang of outlaws, and he has his father-son relationship to Kakara, who's the leader of the gang. Um, and he grows up uh, learning, uh, basically, you know, that violence uh, is the only outlet for such an unjust world. And so, ten years go by, and the gang of outlaws have become notorious for the region, and they start challenging uh, the coronela, uh, who is, you know, a very mysterious authority figure, uh, who has amassed a lot of power and influence in the Sertão, manufacturing weapons. Uh, and during one night, they are attacking the gold of the Coronella, and they um, that is actually being protected by a huge colossal bird. Uh, and when Sechipenas attempts to grab the gold, uh, this enormous bird rips through his wings, and he gets left to dead. He you know falls from the sky, and he's presumed dead. Um, and then in, we meet uh, the other main character, who is Roselia, um, who is this uh, woman uh, who has a traveling theater troupe. Uh, so similar to the tradition of, you know, Comedia dell'Arte and, uh, you know, Capitan Fracassa, this idea of, like, they go from town to town, like, you know, trying to take the arts to the people who need it most. Uh, but obviously, like a theater troupe, it's, you know, it's struggling. She, she's trying to latch on to this dream, um, but, you know, trying to keep it afloat. And so when he, she uh, rescues Sechipenas and he finds out that his wing has been torn, uh, he needs to make a pact with Roselia to hide among the theater troupe uh, while he's trying to get back to his uh, gang of outlaws. Uh, and Roselia, you know, uh, everyone from the theater troupe is like suffering in this war of the Kangasu between, you know, Kakara and the Coronela. And they're kind of torn in the middle. And but she reluctantly agrees um, because, you know, they need the money uh, to keep <laughs> afloat. Uh, and so the story really delves into these two directions where Sechipanaj uh, is, you know, uh, uh, riding along with his theater troupe and learning uh, how to you know, see the world with a uh, new perspective. And uh, meanwhile, Kakara is, you know, he he's mourning the loss of his son. He's uh, shed his last uh, 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 connection to humanity. And so he goes in a murderous uh, rampage against, uh, in revenge against the Coronella. And something that's, I mean, uh, Wesley's visuals, they are, they are, uh, beautiful and stunning and very poetic, uh, but it's also very violent, and so it has that aspect of, uh, you know, Sam Peckinpah or more violent westerns, or even something like uh, Bacurau from Kleber Mendonça and Juliano Dornelis, uh, which won the Special Jury Prize at Cannes. So it has that uh, that edginess as well, because this is a, a movie for young adults and adults. Uh, so it's really exciting, and I think those are like the basically the, the larger conflicts into the story. And lastly, how, how important for you are events like Cartoon Movie? Um, you're here to make the right connections, you're here to, you've already got a great connection with Sacre Bleu, so you know you're in safe hands with a, with a, a production studio like that, but you're here to make other friends, aren't you, to get this film made? Uh, yes, uh, for us, I mean, coming from Brazil, this is, this is an immense opportunity. Um, and, and for us, it's very important for our film to exist in this you know animation ecosystem the first time we pitched it uh, was at Ventana Sur which is you know the, one of the largest markets in Latin America in Argentina and uh, we won the prize to pitch at MIFA and Annecy um, and this was always you know even though it's very local and, and, and it has you know a, a strong local authenticity it has a lot of international appeal so we always imagined this you know as a movie that we can take to the world and France was always an ideal partner, uh, especially for the type of film that we are doing. And it was a short list of like people I really wanted to work with uh, that understood that material. And on top of that list was Ron Dyens from Secret Below. Um, and it was, a, it was an immediate connection to Ron uh, when we first started working together. Uh, and in the last couple of years, I mean, we're very focused on development. I'm a writer, producer, and working with uh, Wesley uh, and Leo, uh, our other co-screenwriter, uh, 
we're focused on the development to get to the script like the best we can and to get you know to, to the level that we want and so to go to the markets you know to have the opportunity to pitch a cartoon movie is really a dream come true and and it's really amazing because it puts the film into this track of you know other successful uh, animation projects uh, in the world and so uh, we're talking to you know distributors sales agents and you know, trying to get the movie uh, made <laughs> in the best possible way um, and really to, to make it go, you know, to finally reach the audience uh, in a couple of years' time. Fantastic. Uh, you say a couple of years' time. Uh, what are we talking, 26, 27? Yes, probably 26, 27. <laughs> right. Well, we look forward to then. Thank you very much for speaking to Squiggly today. Thank you so much. I'm a huge fan, and Steve, thank you. And uh, well, hopefully, you guys get to see this film in a couple of years. Thank you. That was Andre Piera from Looper Films telling us what we can expect from The Bird Kingdom when it comes out in a few years' time. And fingers crossed that this one makes it through the production journey. Though around 40% of the films that have been to Cartoon Movie do make it through to completion. So it's really good odds if you want to share your work here. Our final guests on this cartoon movie special should be familiar with squiggly readers and listeners as we talk to Cartoon Saloon, who came to share Yulian with the 200-plus buyers who were at the event. The studio has been to this event many times before, with Wolfwalkers, Song of the Sea, The Breadwinner, and Secret of Kells. They were all pitched here before going on to production and international superstardom and success. Set to be directed by Louise Bagnall, the director of the Oscar-nominated Late Afternoon, the film is based on the book by Jessica Love about the titular Julian, who goes to spend time with his Dominican grandmother in Brooklyn, and through a fascination with the mermaid parade at Coney Island and an interaction with the magic of his grandmother's past and home country, Julian explores his identity, gender expression, and the hidden heritage of his family. I caught up with the co-director, Mark Mullery, and producer and co-founder of Cartoon Saloon, Paul Young, to find out more about Yulian. So I'm Mark Mullery. Uh, I'm with Cartoon Saloon. Um, I've been part of the directorial teams of the last few features, Wolf Walkers, My Father's Dragon, Breadwinner. Um, and I'm uh, co-director on Louise Bagnall's uh, upcoming feature, Julian. And my name is Paul Young, and I'm one of the co-founders with Tom and Nora. Tom Moore and Nora Toomey, and I'm the CEO and one of the producers in Cartoon Saloon. And now also have directed in Cartoon Saloon. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. You've joined the, uh, the illustrious list of uh, Cartoon Saloon directors. What, t- tell us a little bit about that before we get started. There's a Star Wars Visions series on Disney Plus, so I directed the Cartoon Saloon episode, a Star Wars Vision short, that we go into the second season, which will come out on May 4th on Disney Plus. Fantastic. Lots to look forward to then. But obviously, um, Julian looks uh, spectacular as well, based on the uh, the book, the children's book, I believe. Is it uh, Jessica Love who Jessica put that Love. together? Yeah. Um, and you're here with Witchwood as well. So maybe we could talk a little bit about how that relationship began. Uh, it was uh, maybe two years ago or more. Uh, it was David Yates. David Yates's agent uh, contacted us about this book, and then says, "Would you like to chat to him about it?" And um, we pitched him. Uh, we were like actually showed the book around in the studio, and Louise Bagnall really liked it. And I said, "Is there anybody you'd be interested in this book uh, creatively?" Uh, and she said, "I'd be quite uh, passionate about that book, actually." So that's when you know you're, you're, you're it's a good reason to do something for anybody to do something. So yeah, we we've been developing it with them, with David Yates and and Lewis and Hannah and Witchwood for a while now, coming up with a. Uh, the script and doing a lot of visual development in-house so we were here in Cartoon Movie to kind of show people what we've done so far now we do have co-producers already so we've got a lot of visual development done we are at we are going into another draft of a script but I think I think we've cracked the story now <laughs> we've been, the story's hard it's always the hardest part you need about six drafts before you can feel you can go into an automatic and we're kind of at the sixth now and I, but I think we've cracked the story now. We, had a, we were always skirting around this particular problem with the story and we, I think we've cracked it now. So we're feeling pretty good about that. We felt very good about that last week actually Definitely. because yeah. uh, a lot yeah. of work was done and we'd 
uh, with Jason Tamamagi and Louise and Guillaume, another the co-directors. Um, so we, um, yes, yeah, great. And now we're here kind of to say, yes, we're doing this. And we're here with our co-producers from Folivari and Sun Creature from Denmark who did Flea and Aircraft Pictures who we co-produced The Breadwinner with. So um, they're all old friends. Sun Creature are new friends. We've known Charlotte for a while, but this is the first time we're working together on a project. So, uh, yeah, so Folivari, we go back from Secret of Kells days. So Didier Brunet, it's Didier Brunet's company and his son Damien and Thibaut Ruby. There's a group of them that came out of Les Amateur, that, that company and started up Folivari. So they were our first co-producers on uh, The Secret of Kells back in the day. Actually, I met Didier, because you come here on buses. It's quite a cool event because it keeps everybody together. So it was in Berlin one time, and everybody gets off the airplanes and gets onto the same bus, your bus to the same hotels, your bus to the convention center. It's quite like school, in a way. You go for <laughs> breakfast together, you have lunch together. So they keep everybody quite close together. It, I mean, the whole point of the movie that we started up was to do that, was to push producers from different countries and directors from different countries together to make them work together and raise money in their various countries, which has worked out big time for us, basically, in our films. I literally met Didier in a bus on the way into from the airport, where I overheard him talking about they're having trouble animating cyclists for Le Triplet de Belleville. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. With, um, with his, his producer he was working with from BBC Bristol at the time, when BBC Bristol had an animation company there. I think it was Lion. It was, I can't remember the guy's name. It's so bad. I'm terrible now. I can't remember his name. But I just, I just handed my business card through the seats and says, "Oh, we got a, we do animation in Ireland." And uh, at least I looked at me going, "Yeah, whatever, kid." And, uh, and uh, but then I says, "But we are pitching a show in." Um, he was French. He didn't say kid. He probably says, "Well, whatever." <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that's a bad impression of Didier. But he was very nice. He came along to our pitch. And uh, I, I, and I found out he had done *La Ville, Madame, and the Pigeons*, uh, which is one of my favourite short films by Stephen Shulman. So they came along to the pitch and immediately asked us to have lunch after. And says we want to co-produce your movie in France, which was great. So he raised money in France, and we kept going in Ireland. We found a Belgian co-producer as well, um, and uh, so it's great. It's a great event like that. So that we kind of kick-started our, our sort of creative production, feature film careers here through this event. And it's a great place to sort of make movies like Julian, where, you know, it's a sense you want to do what you, you, you want to do the story the way you want to do it, and you want to make the film the way you want to do it. So by co-producing with other like-minded producers around Europe, you don't have that one big studio, studio power above you, sort of like, and, and maybe you're really left to your own devices in the indie, indie filmmaking spirit which is like and you know I don't think Song of the Sea would have got off the ground without Cartoon Movie or even The Breadwinner without co-producing with Canada and at the time Luxembourg and us in Ireland you know we had we were able to make it's a hard pitch that film if you were to pitch it to like studio execs it's not like it doesn't ring well commercial dollar bells when you mention something about like the breadwinner even though it did very well for us ultimately but it's that initial getting it going is hard if you don't have that kind of camaraderie around Europe to get it going. I also think the the funding the funding model of co-production is quite interesting because uh, obviously you can you can work with um, you can work with a big distributor or a streamer or somebody who's maybe wants to wants to work with you on the story, wants to work with you on the project. And um, because they are, they are giving you so much and trusting you so much, you know, they, they have a real hand in shaping the project because as they're kind of working with you. That's true as well of co-productions, but with co-productions, a lot of this kind of happens in advance. Everybody kind of agrees what their part is, who, what, they, what everybody's doing, who's the, who are the creative producers in charge of this. And at that point, once it's kind of funded and everybody's seen it and agreed, the production itself kind of becomes sovereign in some way. And that sort of allows, that's a good place for directors, I think, because then it's just as long as they have the producers on board, the director is able to you know, really produce a vision, I think. Which is when you have a, a big studio uh, or a big, a big distributor wielding power over a creative, 
and they really can, can change things on a whim and they're not really creative enough. However, with um, with micro, or is it Frankenstein Finance? I've heard it being called Frank, by, by uh, Frank, Frank and Finance yeah, by Tom uh, in the yeah, past yeah. or by yourself, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, I think actually it was Jordan Gaucher in our studio. He, he coined that phrase, Frank and Frank Financing. Finance. When he'd see me going off to these places and trying to patch together the money from various countries, he says, ah, you've got your Frankenfinance, right, you're like raising the, a monster. The finance, yeah. the finance model for the breadwinner especially looked yeah, like, like one of the most complicated. Yeah. But it, no one central source. Yeah. But like, I don't know if we've ever really, we, we haven't, I mean, obviously it's wonderful, like we had a brilliant relationship with Apple and Netflix on Wolfwalkers and My Father's Dragon, so we haven't really had the really tough like studio big thing with, with, with Wolfwalkers it was great because we kind of we already had done the animatic so they came in going they liked what they saw we had a good relationship with Netflix through the production there it was great because they were very on board along but the, but certain, but some stories some projects they're just they're, if you don't get the if, if somebody if an executive in one of those big places isn't immediately sympathetic to what you're trying to do then it's a harder push and yeah. so and then so the lovely thing about this is you can find creative partners here who are into what you're trying to do and then, then together you pull the money from various sources like from France or from Belgium and you can you can kind of be co-producers in a real way because you're they're all they're responsible for the money they bring from France or the money they bring from Denmark and you're you're pulling together but it, it's great then for the director and the lead producer like say in our case here with us and with David and with Lewis in that we've kind of started it so there's a certain respect that you guys have started so there is kind of a delicate producer in a way that's the creative yeah. lead so there's no confusion a lot of the time they kind of if you're doing the pre-production generally speaking and writing the script and the director is in your studio then there's respect for that director and what you're doing and yeah so it's great so you get to retain that creative vision then yeah. in, in that many respects yeah. so well i just i think again it's like the it, even with even with say a model where you have like a large a large streamer involved, like their their influence is generally like quite necessary and quite positive, but it is continuous. Mm -hmm. There is something that happens a little bit with this funding model more, where you have all those conversations in the beginning, and you really have to get people to trust you. And then once they trust you, there's the sense, well, this is this project is happening sort of mainly here with the assistance of, of this studio and this studio, and everybody sort of trusts that well we agreed it's going to look like this and you just have to have to kind of go with it and i think that yeah that produces a certain kind of film certainly mm -hmm. so let's talk about uh julian it's i've heard it julian i've heard it julian what, yeah, what's we, the well we we mix and match i mean in the movie uh, the pronunciation will will almost certainly be julian because it's uh, uh julian uh, because it's a um uh because the characters uh would be um, hispanophone um, but uh, we we don't really we don't really enforce any way of any way of saying it. It was the same like when we were working on the breadwinner. It was Parvana. It was Parwana. It was you know, it's it'll be consistent in the movie. But we don't really mind people use their own dialects. It's it's totally fine. Yeah. That's, that's good for somebody like me who who, who switches between <laughs> pronunciations uh, uh, on a whim. But um, uh, let's say uh, Julian, uh, tell us about the creative vision of this film. It, it's like nothing you've done before, uh, story-wise. Um, but also there are elements of of the uh, a child discovering and a yeah. child being responsible and, and 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 finding magic in the world. And I think what's I think there's something exciting about this film for Cartoon Saloon because it is set in the here and now. Um, I think that's the major thing that's different and exciting. It's about like, uh, it's about, it's a very alive story because it's about real people in the here and now. Um, the Breadwinner was also, um, you know, kind of very much about real people. Um, and, but it was, uh, and it was set in a particular time, but it wasn't a story of right now as mm -hmm. it is. And that comes with a, um, I mean, that comes frankly with a lot of responsibility, actually, to, to really kind of get things right culturally and so on. In other ways, I think it is, um, as you say, it, it is uh, like uh, kind of a running theme, I think, of uh, most of our movies about, um, about childhood and about understanding that you have to kind of let children be who they are at a certain point. It's often you're often simultaneously trying to tell children be who you are it's okay to be who you are uh, while telling um, p parents or caregivers you can't um, 
you can't protect them forever and let them let them you know go out and make mistakes and do things. So I do actually think there's a through line from most of our movies to this one. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it tells a little bit about we we've not we've not heard the elevator pitch yet. We've not heard the what's the story about. Knows that I've not read the original book. Right, um, right. What 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 happens in, uh, to Julian in the film? Let's not. Yeah. Not the three, not all three acts. Let's. Right, uh, right, right. Uh, I uh, I have not rehearsed an elevator pitch. I'm going to have to give one a go now. Um, well, so yeah, Julian is a um, young boy, seven years old. Um, he's uh, third generation. I never know how to say that. Second, third generation. Anyway, he's born in the United States, but um, his grandmother, his abuela, is from uh, the Dominican Republic. Came over as a young adult, and he uh, goes to spend the summer with her in Brooklyn basically, and um, he begins to, he, he's, he's really trying to behave very properly for his grandmother, and because of how he, he thinks people sort of need to see him. But his own nature is just a little bit more kind of um, expressive than that, I think. And there's a kind of self-actualization that has to happen with him, where he really has to discover who he is uh, as, as himself. And this has a kind of a metaphorical fantasy element to it, um, which is linked very much to, well, to two elements, to the Caribbean culture, to the, the water spirit Yamoya, um, which kind of is this sort of force that metaphorically comes through from, um, uh, from his grandmother through, through from the Caribbean. Um, and also kind of simultaneously because uh, the, the, the mermaid parade, which is this real event in Coney Island, uh, where people, you know, just dress up in these like really fancy elaborate costumes. The theme for this year in our, in our story is, is, is Yamaya, the water spirit. And so Julian kind of imagines this as being this perfect version of being able to describe himself in full color in some way. And yeah, that's really what the movie is about, him fighting those contradictions a little bit, yeah. And getting there at the end. Getting you know, there at the end. <laughs> yeah, he has lots of obstacles, like all stories. Yeah, There's yeah, a yeah. bit of obstacles thrown in his way to get there, even as a little kid. But I think it's going to be a very uplifting film by the end of it for, you know, he, you know, he can be all things to everybody for himself. He, can be all things. he doesn't have to choose one or the other and be all things. Yeah, all films, you just get someone caught up a tree, you throw stuff at them, you let them down eventually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That's most stories. Yeah. Just put somebody in a bad situation and keep firing shit at them. Yeah. To the end. And then they get that. Yeah. Sorry, that's not my, uh, yeah. that's not my crash course in storytelling. <laughs> that's a, so sage advice, really, yeah. yeah. Sage advice. Just, just get a, make people like a character and then throw a hurdle on a crap at them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you describe this as very much a... a a cartoon movie movie. Yes. It, it's 25 years of, of cartoon movie this yeah. year. And you've described the uh, the friendships that have been made uh, along the way. How important is this as an event for, I mean, would, would Cartoon Saloon be Cartoon Saloon without Cartoon Movie? No, no, I don't think so. I think not, I don't think there's quite anything like it uh, outside of Europe. Actually, I'm trying to think is there anything like it outside of Europe because it's not just like a film market where people go and the pitch ideas like can and you find it dispersible. It's not quite like um, there's sometimes docu forums like this where people get together, but this is literally like production studios in different countries trying to keep their studios alive <laughs> by collaborating on different projects with each other and reciprocating so, so, so and truly co producing with each other to finance mad and interesting stories sometimes you know that wouldn't perhaps get made otherwise like breadwinner wouldn't have got made without this forum i don't think i think we pitched it all over the place initially and until we really kind of found partners here then so what it does is you can make a film feel very real if you've got your french co-producing partner or your belgian co-producing partner and you start working together and you use all those various tax rebates that are exist in different countries the film funds that exist their relationships with a distributor in their own home country, so you got get advanced in distribution. So, and then you bring it out to the US, let's say, and they go, oh, hey, wait a minute, you've practically got this film nearly made, like Apple, and they go, oh, we'd like to buy that. That's looking good. You get to it a very, you get to a very, you can get, you can get the film up and running, and beyond the proof of concept, like you can get it up and running and get an animatic done by doing this really cool 
co-production thing without really having to compromise too much on what you want to do. Yeah. Right? And that's, so, that's the uh, thing. Like yeah. what, what, what Paul's saying, it, you still ultimately might get, hopefully do get, a, a commercial buyer at the end. I mean, it's still... Your ul- still aim is to make a commercial uh, movie. Ulti- a ultimately, film, yeah. yeah, it's for profit. It's just the kind... It's just often these are the kinds of movies that would be hard to sell and explain in the room to a single you know buyer a single a single like major major US studio it would be hard it would be hard to pitch some of these ideas if all they're thinking about is the return but ultimately you're still looking for to to make you know quite quite um you're, you're hoping to make successful films, but hopefully something a little more unusual that wouldn't happen another way and i would also say as well co-production it's so useful for us like so so for for the for the breadwinner and this is true for Julian too, right? So, so for the breadwinner, um, our uh, co-producers in aircraft in Canada, uh, they are able to take, uh, they're able to access this sort of uh, major uh, Dominican and wider Caribbean community in that's in um, Canada, that's in Toronto, that uh, that we. Uh, that we wouldn't be able to access otherwise, and that's like um, th- so. That's true. That was true for the breadwinner for um, the uh, uh, Afghan um, community um, and Pakistani, uh, and that's uh, uh, that's that's very much going to be true for this movie. And it's just it's it's really essential for us because like casting is we're going. That's the thing that's going to have to have that authenticity. I think, yeah. And and uh, it's and yeah, so it's like I think meeting there's some directors we know from the States as well that myself and Tom have met in over the years and us all and they're always quite jealous of this because they're like, Oh you got it made and sometimes we used to be jealous of them because they got they 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 maybe get a break in a big studio and they've got a ton of money to make a, a wonderful movie. Now we're not working with the same budgets. But we, there's a certain freedom that comes with what we're trying to do here. So we, we do we make we make movies definitely on a budget, yeah. in comparison to what might be the studio system, let's say in I, North America. I but think we have a great like there's a real, they they're like going, we get to we get to do perhaps more experimentation, maybe a little bit, uh, and and that's what this provides. Cartoon movie provides a little bit of flexibility in how, on the kinds of movies you want to make. Yeah, totally. The co-production model. It's like if you take say Wolfwalkers being kind of. What you know, it's our most kind of maybe, maybe in a way our, our easiest kind of entry point, action-packed kind of movie, Irish theme, um, everything like that. Uh, very, very, very solid property that that people like, but would be just so hard to convince of somebody to convince somebody sight unseen without the co-producer kind of model that we're able to do here. That you're able to build it up. So, so, and ultimately that still goes to. Apple TV and it's 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 successful there, but hard to imagine pitching that cold to, yeah. to, without co-production. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if we were if we were from if we were living in if we were living in the states as animators and filmmakers and creatives, yeah, you're just in a different kind of system. Yeah. It's a different it's a different system, and and um, sometimes you're sometimes you go, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to have that all that system being amongst that because there's a, maybe. There's, they make amazing, like I mean, amazing movies come from that studio system. Um, but here we can try to do something a little different through cartoon movie of how we can we can take a chance in a more indie feel. For it's very hard to do an indie animated movie because animation is so expensive. But this is kind of a way to do an indie animated movie yep. and own it, retain mm. the rights for it, so you can build your studio a bit and build a bit of revenue for your studio. Uh, you know, in a very very long term. You know, if you can maintain, keep the rights of the films you're making, that provides that here too, because you share the rights with your co-producers, but you still may hold on to them, which allows you to do more, maybe books and other things, you know. So it's like, you know, there's hard to compare the big studio movies and the movies that can get made here, but still, it's, it's my comparison would be, it's like indie animation. You can get an indie animated film made by coming to this event and meeting different people here, yeah. Fantastic. So 2025, all things been well for uh, for Julian, mm-hmm. yeah, we hope so. yeah. Fingers crossed. But uh, until then, we'll look forward to seeing the development. Uh, you're looking for 
Were you, were you, were you looking for? Uh, are you allowed to say what you're looking for here at yeah, Cartoon yeah, Movie in case they're listening? Yes. Well, we we are looking for. We have got our partners. We're, we're we 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 have interest from sales agents and we have interest from distributors. So mainly the thing is now is finding um, that last little gap. Even though we have some way of getting the gap done, but it's not ideal. So we're looking for those last getting pre-sales and distribution advances from from certain countries, from different countries that might be interested in in, in taking the film. You know, at this level, at this stage, you know, after they read a script, they might give a pre-sale or advance and that. Yeah. Well, if they're not at the, if they're not here and they're listening, they they need to get on the phone to kill Kenny. That's that's, uh, that's what we're doing. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Exactly so. yeah. Well, uh, Paul, Mark, thank you very much for talking to Squiggly today. Uh, very best of luck with Julian and everything else that's uh, that's coming out in the future for Cartoon Saloon. All right. No worries. Thanks, you. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Thanks very much to Matt Mullery and Paul Young from Cartoon Saloon there telling us all about Julian and what we can expect in the coming years. And thanks to all our guests for sharing their projects with Squiggly today. Keep your eyes and ears on those titles, folks. They'll be here before you know it. Cartoon Movie is back next March. You can head over to their website, cartoon-media.eu movie to find out more and to discover more uh, projects of this year's edition, as well as heading over to squiggly.com to read my report on the event. That's the most important thing to do. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> With 58 projects pitched, uh, though, this only scratches the surface. So uh, head to Squiggly, search Cartoon Movie in the search bar and read all about the amazing projects uh, that could be heading to cinemas in a few years' time. Thank you very much to the team at Cartoon and Cartoon Movie for putting on this smashing event and to everyone who I met at the event. I had a real blast. Thanks for joining us for this Squiggly podcast special from Cartoon Movie 2023. Don't forget to subscribe to us via your favourite podcast provider. We are a free podcast, so if you'd like to support us, you can do so by leaving a nice review on social media or whatever platform you use. You can also recommend this podcast to a friend or even an enemy. I don't care. And if you are feeling extra generous, you can financially support the podcast by scrolling down to the bottom of the Squiggly homepage and clicking the support us link. Anything donated helps us do the work we do across the site. Thanks again for joining us. And don't forget, for all the latest news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, and everything else from the world of animation, head over to squiggly.com. Squiggly.